Hello, everybody, and welcome back to one of the newest podcasts in the Land Grant Holy Land family of podcasts. It is the only college basketball podcast in the LGHL family of podcasts. I'm one of the only college basketball centered podcasts within the whole SB Nation family of websites. I don't know if that last part is actually true. Anyways, it is called Bucketheads. My name is Connor Lamans. I am here with my lovely co-host, Justin Golba, who also collaborates with me on Fridays for a weekly article called Your Nuts, where we both pick a side of a topic and then we die on our respective hills for that side. So if you are willing to spare a few brain cells on Friday, you should absolutely check that out. Justin, how are you doing? Doing great. I've just got a new full-time job because unfortunately, this podcast does not pay my rent yet, but if you tell your friends about it, maybe one day it will. So, <laughs> where are you? Uh, where are you headed? Where are you uh, writing for now? I will be a prep sports writer for the Lorraine Morning Journal and the Willoughby News Herald in Cleveland. So, if you are a Cleveland resident and you're listening to this, first of all, thank you, and second of all, check out my work uh, with high school sports as well. So, if you like high school women's soccer or men's lacrosse. Justin is your guy this fall. Absolutely. Today, we have a very special guest on the show. Um, we are talking to Sports Illustrated's Kevin Sweeney about the Big Ten, Ohio State, transfers, all kinds of good stuff, uh, a little bit of NIL, uh, conference realignment, stuff like that, but we'll get to that shortly. Uh, we've also got NBA draft stuff to recap, Carmen's crew choking in the fourth quarter of the TBT game against the money team, and Chris Holtman has finally landed a center on the recruiting trail. His first legit center he's locked up since taking the Ohio State job. Justin, Chris Holtman has locked up a top 50 center. People are still pissed off. Do we just have the most cynical fan base of all sports? Can we ever, will they ever be satisfied? I think we just have to stop looking at worst case scenario. The immediate, when news immediately hits, we just saw it with Quinn Ewers today when he said that he was coming to Ohio State and people just start talking about who's transferring because of it. When Felix Akpar said he was coming to Ohio State, the response should have been fantastic. We got a great four-star center who's going to help when more than likely next year Kyle Young and E.J. Liddell are gone, so Zed Key's going to need some help. Um, but instead, the first response was, well, let's hope he doesn't transfer. So um, let's just stop going to worst-case scenario first, and I think we'll be good. Yeah, those are like the, literally the first Twitter responses were, well, he'll probably be gone in a year anyways. I just, I just don't understand it. I don't think the people will ever be satisfied until we get like a five-star center you know one of the like two that are in every single class um this was legit like his best post player uh a uh, commitment since he came here and i feel like people were just like well he's gonna leave anyways yeah and i don't even know why people think he's gonna leave he's not a top top guy he's probably not gonna go anywhere and like you said in every class there's about two five-star centers and this one coming up uh the 2021 class one is going to the g league ignite and the other one's going to Gonzaga. So um, let's, let's just put that bar a little bit there. Should be should be a good player. Um, he's a little bit different from Zed Key. It looks like Zed Key is uh, more your like grind it out, bang around in the low paint kind of guy, whereas Akpar is going to be more of a finesse. Uh, he's like sounds like he's a very good blocker, a very very good uh, defensive player around the around the rim there. Um, offensive game, it sounds like has a little bit that still needs to be a, a developed. It sounds like he's going to be more of like a defensive guy, at least initially. And he's going to take a little bit of development on the offensive side, but I think he's six eleven, 
in like 210, 220, which is, I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty dense as a 17 year old. Yeah. He, uh, he is a very, as you said, very finesse around the rim. Um, he does have a little bit of a jumper. So it's always nice to have a guy that can spread the floor out a little bit and stretch you out. Um, and he's a fantastic defender, fantastic shot blocker. If you watch his highlight tape, half of them are shot blocks. Um, granted he's in high school, so, you know, he's going up against guys that are not, not six eleven. Um, but in college, you don't tend to go up against too many guys that are six eleven either. Um, so, he, I think he's going to be a fantastic addition. I think he'll be able to also kind of work his way into the lineup because, um, you know, E.J. Liddell, while we say he's probably gone, who knows, he might come back next year if they have a national championship chance. And Zed Key will probably definitely be here next year unless he decides to kind of randomly transfer. So um, he would be the starting five next year for sure. So I think Akpar is going into a great situation, and I think that you have time. You're not going to throw him in as a 30-minute guy as freshman season. You'll be able to work him in slowly. And the, and the Buckeyes have the number one ranked recruiting class for the class of 22 now. Uh, stop the count. No more recruits. We are done recruiting Ohio State as the top class. Anyways, um, speaking of big men, your Cleveland Cavaliers, not my Cleveland Cavaliers, your Cleveland Cavaliers took USC center Evan Mobley with the third overall pick in the NBA draft last week. So how excited are you for Evan Mobley to come to the land? And um, then you can also talk about Dwayne Washington Jr. if you want and uh, where he ended up going yeah um evan mobley goes to the Cavs, which officially means the Cavs' entire starting five is younger than me so that is where i'm at in my life um but i love evan mobley if you pay attention to college basketball he is a top top tier player um he's just he can do it all so he'll be very interesting to watch him and jared allen who officially uh resigned with the Cavs today on the start of free agency so that'll be a very interesting dynamic Yes, Dwayne Washington did go undrafted. I'm not exactly sure why so many people were excited about that. It was kind of tough to see because uh, there was a lot of people saying, told you so. First of all, nobody assumed he wouldn't go undrafted, honestly. Um, I thought he was going to go undrafted. Um, it's still not a bad decision to leave college. There's only 60 picks in the NBA draft. Uh, not everybody gets drafted that plays in the NBA. It's just a simple fact. Um I think he's still going to, you know, he, he's with the Pacers. He said, we knew he was going to go undrafted then sign immediately with the team. It was with the Pacers. Um, I like that fit. I don't think that he'll, he'll struggle to make the team. They have a lot of guards on that team. Um, you know, it, it all just depends on how free agency works out. So I'm not really going to talk too much about their specific team because it can change uh, in a blink of an eye. But as of right now, they have a lot of guards. So we'll see if he, if he sticks on the team. Like I've kind of said before, I think he's going to be a G League player for a couple years and then probably play overseas. And I think he's going to have a fantastic career overseas because he's made for that kind of game. Um, and then probably, you know, maybe even touch on the Carmen's crew a little bit down the line because we know John Diebler and Aaron Craft are done now. So, I think the, the, the biggest argument of people saying, you know, Dwayne, he needs to come back to school. He's not going to get drafted. I, I think that the thing is he, he's not going to get drafted if he came back to school either. Mm-hmm. So people were saying – well, NIL just passed. You can, you know, come back to school. You can, you know, he's already got a pretty good following in Ohio. He could, you know, advertise his brand and try to make some money. Um, did you see that tweet from Darren Ravel, who normally like just a massive troll that I don't usually pay attention to, but he said so far in Ohio, so far, the average dollar amount for an NIL deal before like taxes and stuff for a college player right now is nine hundred dollars mm-hmm. before taxes, and if Dwayne goes and plays overseas. If he if he goes undrafted and plays overseas, even if he's playing in the G League, 
I don't know what our G League salary is. I'm going to guess, you probably know what a G League salary is. I'm guessing it's what, at least like a hundred grand, right? At least. Yeah. The so for him to come back, 120 grand, there you go. Like to come back and to say, he needs to come back. There's NIL. He could make money off his brand in Ohio. You're not going to get drafted anyways. He's definitely not going to get drafted a year from now when he's a year older and still the same player. So he might as well have just bottled up the momentum that he had because even if he wasn't going to get drafted, this was definitely his highest chance to be drafted. That's what I think. Yeah, that was the thing that I saw most people saying was, oh, he could have came back like next year and got better. Dwayne Washington was probably never going to get better, right? He might have had better stats. He might have averaged 20 a game. But in general, his game was going to be about the same because it's just it's what his game is. It is very right. pretty is, limited on defense and good is. on offense. Yeah, he's the player he is. So as, as we talked about with our managing editor, Matt Tamanini, um, he is, he's just going to be next year. He's just going to be a year older. That's it. So his best chance to get drafted was this year. He saw that when he went through the process and it, it can't be denied that he had a great NBA draft combine, which is, and also you've got to look at injuries into this. Like there's so many factors to play a role. I don't think he's going to regret his decision at all. I think he knows that he was probably going to go undrafted or go very late. And even those late guys to go 55, 56, they're still struggling to make the team. It's not a big deal. John Diebler got drafted 60th. He's never played a minute in the NBA. So, you know, it's not just it's not just about getting drafted. It's about how you evolve your game. And his best chance to do that is play a couple years in the G League. We've seen guys from the G League. Chris Middleton was a G League player. And look at him. He's an NBA champion. So guys can come from the G League and make something of themselves in the NBA. It doesn't happen all the time, obviously. There's a, there's a reason for that. But... I would look at Dwayne Washington as a guy who can he make it? He, he can probably do something in the NBA. I look at him as a William Buford, honestly. I think he's going to go overseas, have a great career. I think by in ten years he's going to be a better player than he was today because he'll learn overseas game and he'll make a he'll make a couple million dollars a year playing basketball in Italy. Sounds like a horrible life. Did he actually not play a single minute in the NBA? Debler, I don't believe he did because he got drafted um, during the boy the the um, holdout. And he went overseas because of that. And I don't think he's ever come back. Somebody can fact check me on that. And if I'm wrong, you can comment. But I almost. I'm trying I'm to find it. Positive. It looks like at one point he was on the roster for the. Now, I don't know if he ever played, but he was on the roster for the Trailblazers. Yeah, his, the rights, his rights are still owned. And the Bulls. Yeah, his rights are still owned by teams. It's just I don't think he's ever come back to play because he left during the. The holdout. I'm trying to find it. I don't see any pro stats. So I, I yeah, you might be right. He might have like technically been on a team but never played. Um, yeah, he failed. I remember he failed to make. He got drafted by the Blazers and failed to make the team uh, because like, what's the huge? Us. Honestly, yeah. Like, what's the huge difference between getting drafted like 58th overall and not getting drafted? Like the guy that got drafted 58th overall is going to be playing summer league this summer, G League next year hoping to get called up, probably will get released and signs a two-way deal. Dwayne Washington got undrafted. He's going to – he signed a two-way deal. He's going to play summer league this year. He's probably going to play in the G League next year. What's the huge difference really? And also, Washington was before all the, the, the combine and stuff, he was like outside of the top 100 players. Yeah, the so, fact that he was even in the, op, in the conversation being drafted is incredible. Right. When the draft ended and it was like showing like so-and-so's top available players, like when they got to like the 57 and 58th pick, Dwayne Washington was in the top 10 of like our 10 best available players, like Dwayne Washington, like number nine. Like he was in like the top, you know, 60 to 70 players where we had to write up articles just in case he got drafted because it seemed like an actual possibility. And a few months ago, it was like a joke. So, you know, 
good for him. He's going to make money somewhere. Maybe it'll be NBA. Maybe it won't. But him leaving definitely seemed like like that was going to be the money decision. Like that was this was his time to try to work on that positive momentum and just see if he can cash in. Yeah, and if you want to make an opinion about Dwayne Washington, just wait till summer league because that is really what determines what happens to these guys, these second round picks and undrafted guys is summer league. It's not about who goes where in the draft. It's about how you perform in summer league. So watch that, and then if he struggles there, then you can start to say, okay, maybe it was a bad call, but that you got to wait till summer league to see that. And yeah, like you said, I mean, maybe you know, maybe he'll end up playing for Carmen's crew. You know, if they, if they keep that the the TBT um, franchise going, maybe he'll end up playing for Carmen's crew if he's doing overseas stuff. Um, shout out to Carmen's crew for blowing an 18 point third quarter lead um, to a team led by an Idaho alumni. So shout out to them for the big collapse. Um, but hey, we got our Ohio State Sweet 16 that we've been all, all been waiting for. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's hard to not look at the fact that William Buford did not play in the second half. Obviously, if you're watching the game, you might not have even noticed because the broadcast failed to mention it. They just were not stopped criticizing Ohio State, even though um, they didn't even mention William Buford. As much as Dan Dockage seems to love William Buford, he didn't notice he wasn't on the floor. So good call there, Dan. Um, but, you know, it's it's it, obviously Dan, the offense. Dan, on the pod. Defend yourself. Yeah, we need Dan Dockage on the pod. Um, Defend yourself. <laughs> um you know, fortunately, offense just got kind of stagnant, and then, um, you know, they 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 couldn't pull it out at the end. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's a fun tournament. It's a great cause. You know, you want to see your team win, but you just like them to play. Um, so I, I'm going to end that on a little bit of positivity instead of negativity, and um, we will jump into our interview here with Sports Illustrated's Kevin Sweeney. <laughs> Okay, so we are honored to be joined by CBB uh, Central's and Sports Illustrated's Kevin Sweeney. Uh, Kevin founded the website CBB Central and is now a resident college basketball guru for Sports Illustrated. Uh, basically, if you think you follow college basketball and you don't know who Kevin is, then you do not follow college basketball. Kevin, how you doing, buddy? Uh, awesome. Always great to great to get to talk about college basketball in August. So really, uh, you made my day here. Yeah, and we brought Kevin in today uh, to give us a little more in-depth look, not only at Ohio State um, and, and the Big Ten for this upcoming season, but the whole landscape of, of college basketball that's shifting and changing with you know NIL starting. So you know players are getting the bag now for their name, name image, likeness, um, all that stuff, the, the conference realignment that may or not be happening so we're gonna get into all that kind of good stuff yeah so we're just gonna jump right in here um kevin i know you wrote an article kind of doing a early early uh prediction and standings and rankings of college basketball next year um i saw you at ohio state fourth i'm assuming that was kind of assuming ej liddell and Dwayne washington came back now that Dwayne washington has left ej liddell's back you know they've added some transfers where do you where do you have Ohio State? Are, you, are they still a top five team to you? Top ten? Where do you kind of look at the Buckeyes coming into next season? Yeah, so so they dropped from fourth in my April ones to fourteenth in uh, in July. Uh, so obviously losing Dwayne hurts. I think the other thing that that was kind of significant there was yeah. I, I look at the April rankings so much as like a snapshot in time. You know, teams like Maryland, for instance, were you know elevated a little bit early on because they made very early impact transfer ads. Ohio State, who was going to run it back theoretically, was going to be elevated early on. And then as teams added talent around them, um, you know, there was always going to be a little bit of a fall. But I think obviously losing losing Dwayne Washington knocks them down a bit still. I mean, I have, you know, tremendous belief in Holtman. I think the roster is still very good. You know, obviously a, a guy like Liddell is your centerpiece is 
as, as much as, as good as you could ask for. He's one of the better players in college basketball. So I think they're in great shape. I still think they're going to be a top 20 team, certainly a team that can you know, make noise in the Big Ten, probably a tier below that that you know championship contender of, of Michigan and Purdue, who I have one and two. But you know, I think or one and two in the Big Ten, I think like six and seven nationally. Uh, but I think Ohio State, you know, certainly we were right there in the mix, even without Dwayne Washington. I think you just brought up a good point that I've heard a couple different podcasts and writers and stuff kind of point out that a lot of people had Ohio State in their top five with Dwayne and EJ there. And then Dwayne says, I'm going to head out. I'm going to go to the draft. He did not get drafted. Um, anyway, about that. Um, he did not get drafted. And then everybody drops them down to like 18, 19, 20. And a lot of people are saying, so you really think that Dwayne Washington is so good that he was worth 13, 14 spots in the rankings. And a lot of folks overlook that it's not just about him. It's about teams like Maryland, what they added and what Purdue returns, right? Right, exactly. I mean, And again, if you're looking at a national ranking, like the the amount of additions, I mean, I can just kind of look at my, my top 25 now. Like, like Oregon, for instance, jumped Ohio State from April to July. Oregon added Davion Harmon, who's a starting point guard at Oklahoma. They added, uh, you know, a five-star big man, Nathan Biddle. Uh, they added uh, Quincy Garrier from Syracuse, who was a you know elite player in in the ACC, right? Like they added Jacob Young, who was a good player in the Big Ten at Rutgers. So like, it's just you know the rosters are so different that I think it, it's challenging to to use the the comparisons from April to July because you know everybody moved around. So yeah, I mean, I don't I don't, I don't think it's all about Dwayne. Um, Obviously, his he was valuable to that team and his ability to go get a shot. They don't have someone who can, you know, perfectly replicate that. Uh, obviously, Cedric Russell helps, but uh, you know, it's obviously, you know, he's a very good player. He's not worth you know fifteen spots on his own. Abs- yeah, I, I totally agree. And you mentioned Russell. That was the next thing we're going to talk about. Um, Ohio State brought in a couple transfers. Now that they have the one year, you know, the one year transfer rule pretty much dropped off. If I understand correctly, get you get your one year. Um, they bring in Joey Brunk, they bring in Jamari Wheeler, they bring in Cedric Russell kind of last second. Um, which of those three guys do you think is going to be the most impactful for this year's team? Um, and I know you don't focus on Ohio State basketball, so you may not be able to go too in-depth. What do you think the, each of those guys' roles are going to be on this year's team? I mean, I think I've, I've always really enjoyed watching Wheeler play at Penn State um, because I think He's limited offensively, obviously not like a hugely dynamic scorer by any means or a great shooter, but he just really digs in defensively. Uh, he can get to the basket, and I think he fits in well with what Ohio State wants to be, and I think they needed a veteran point guard because I'm not sure you could you know, entrust Michi Johnson to run the show full-time. So you know, to have Wheeler, you know, I expect him to be the starting point guard and, and be an impactful piece even if he only averages five, six, seven points a game. I think he helps replace C.J. Walker's contribution. So that, that, I think he's a better defender than Walker, certainly. Russell's huge as well. I mean, and there was a lot of conversation when Jaden Shackelford was in the portal as well. Do you take Russell as like the bird in the hand or do you go for the two in the bush with uh, Shackelford? And I think it, it made sense to take Russell. He's a really big-time shooter. I think people you know don't quite understand, you know, shooting 40% of the volume he shot from deep last year is no easy feat. Obviously, turnover-prone at times, not going to be a you know high level defender necessarily, but can he be Dwayne Washington light? Yeah, I think he probably can be. You know, he's not going to be you know the best bucket getter in the Big Ten or one of the best bucket getters in the Big Ten like Washington was, but he can play a role. I think he probably starts the two, but obviously some flexibility there with Branham coming in. I think his his impact will be big. Obviously, Orange back as well. I don't know if you, you know, start him. He was such a big contributor this past year, and then Brunk. Honestly, I. I 
I, I strongly dislike Joey Brunk as a player. Um, I, I don't think he's really contributed to winning anywhere he's been. Like, I think Butler got better by not playing him. Uh, I don't think he was very impactful for Indiana. I think they were better with Race Thompson on the floor. Uh, I love Zed Key. I think Kyle Young being back helps them. I, I hope Joey Brunk plays five minutes a game. Like, I, I really don't think you want to be feeding Joey Brunk minutes. And I get why Holtman took him because, you know, he recruited him and he obviously, you know, coaches love Joey Brunk because he plays really hard and he's, you know, a veteran and he's smart and all that. But like from a basketball standpoint, I, I would play as little Joey Brunk as possible. So in baseball terms, you think that Joey Brunk is like a negative war player, basically? Yes. Yes. Uh, I agree. <laughs> And, uh, and I'm, you know, I think Cedric Russell is interesting because a lot of people will look at the shooting and the scoring and they'll say, well, he played for Louisiana. But also, if you look at last season, they started their season off against Baylor, maybe the best defensive team in the country, and he had 26 points, and it was efficient 26. So, you know, I think he can definitely move into, uh, into the Big Ten and score a little bit. Now, with the Big Ten in general, um, you mentioned it earlier, you have Purdue, and I think you said Michigan uh, as your top two. You know, Mich- obviously the Big Ten was such a – gauntlet of a conference throughout the regular season last year then they kind of became a butt of people's jokes on twitter because throughout the postseason because they didn't really do anything where do you have the big 10 kind of this year do you think it's going to take a little bit of step back or a step up i mean i think it's it's down a little bit it's still i mean i think clearly the best conference in college basketball in the regular season i mean look there there are demons to kill in the postseason right it just hasn't happened it doesn't make sense totally why. I mean, look, last year, maybe the Big Ten did get, a little, did get a little bit overrated, but also what happened in March was not justifiable based on anything we saw for the rest of the season. And, you know, I think a lot of it was just matchups related. Iowa was a very good team all year. They just ran into a terrible matchup for them in Oregon, literally the worst possible matchup they could have drawn up. You know, Michigan had the injury to livers. Like just, Ohio State ran into, you know, Max Smith and the legend of Max Smith. Like, I mean, obviously, even with Ace Smith, you should win that game. But, like, at the same time, not not the best matchup for Ohio State. Like, the, the matchups across the board were not very good for, for the Big Ten. So, you know, I think I think they'll be fine. The league's going to be very good. I think it's probably worse than it was. Just be a thing that, you know, Wisconsin certainly takes a t- step back talent-wise. Rutgers takes a little bit of a step back. You know, I think Minnesota takes a step back talent-wise. Minnesota's going to be dreadful. I mean, their roster is brutal. Um, you know, I think – Iowa certainly takes a step back. So, you know, it's going to be a little bit worse, but, you know, some growth from Indiana will help. And I think it's certainly going to be a deep league. I think that's what defines this league the last several seasons is that, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten teams are very competitive that can make the NCAA tournament. Uh, they And they can beat you on a night. And I think that's where the league is at again. Maybe it's seven or eight this year instead of 10 or 11 like it was last year. But uh, I think still really in a good place. A team that you didn't mention um, this is kind of going off script a little bit that I'm curious of what you think. Um, don't know how much attention you pay to Nebraska ball um, from Tim miles who I love Tim miles when he was at Nebraska. Now to Hoiberg, it's been kind of a disaster, but if you pay attention, getting a few good recruits, getting a few good transfers, do you think Nebraska is going to get better? Or do you think that Hoiberg is going to be there for three or four years and it's just kind of going to fizzle out? I think they'll get better. I'm, I'm still not buying like long term that they're going to become a regular tournament team under him. I I made this comparison when he was hired. I think of Fred Hoiberg a lot like basketball Chip Kelly, right? Fred Hoiberg did something at Iowa State that no one else was doing. No one else was going after transfers at the you know volume that Iowa State was under Hoiberg. No one else was spreading you out and, and playing in ball screens and NBA style offense like Fred Hoiberg was at, at Iowa State. 
you know, and I think that's very comparable to what Chip Kelly did, like, you know, this, this super up-tempo offense that, that they ran at, at, at Oregon. And it, you know, shook up the college basketball, college football world. And I think Hoiberg shook up the college basketball world. And now everyone else has caught up and started to do the same exact, you know, same exact things that Hoiberg's doing. So it's much harder for him to, to pull off what he, he did at ISU. But I think the talent level, as you said, is rising. Um, you know, the McGowan's brothers will, 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 will help. Alonzo Verge is not a guy who contributes to winning, but he's a bucket getter. And I think they need that. Derek Walker helped them defensively a lot. And I like CJ Wilcher coming in from Xavier. So I think, I think this is a Nebraska team that, you know, is helped by the fact that Minnesota is going to be much worse and, you know, could be really, really bad. I think Northwestern certainly beat a bowl. I've uh, spoken about that at length. Uh, Penn State does not have the athletes to, to win this year. So, you know, could they sneak up into 11th or 10th and start to to build the, you know, build this thing up and start recruiting at a higher level, especially after getting Delano Banton drafted? I think that's possible. Yeah, and it's just a team that I was just interested in your thoughts on just because um, when Tim Miles was there, I, I thought that they were really building something special there. I thought that maybe they were going to start ascending a little bit and then it kind of plateaued and went back. And this past season, I know Justin actually rejoined Land Grant Holy Land after the basketball season. But during the basketball season, when I would do power rankings and stuff like that, Nebraska, I wouldn't even write anything. I would just put like Nebraska went 0-3 again this week, next team. Um, but it looks like they won't be the worst team in the Big Ten for much longer. So that's I was just curious what you thought about that so it sounds like you think that nebraska is slowly going to be getting a little better here slowly rising yes and then from one coach that loses all the time in hoiberg to another coach who only loses in april um what are your thoughts on chris holtman in general for his first uh four years now he's been at ohio state um compared to what you had expected when he took the job um does the losses in the tournament does that kind of cut back on the success in the regular season overall? What's your interpretation or thoughts on Holman so far? Man, it's tough. I, I, I think until this year, it's hard for me to really be be overly critical of the NCAA tournament stuff, right? Like they lost to Gonzaga in the NCAA tournament. I mean, that was even that Gonzaga team wasn't amazing. It was still you know, pretty darn good Gonzaga team, and uh, losing to them was not exactly a, a stunner in year one. I think look this, this past year, losing to ORU is. It's the the roughest look there can be, but you know there's there's a reason why Arkansas nearly lost to them and Florida did lose to them. I mean, they were they were unbelievably good in, in March. And I can't. It's hard for me to to hold things against them. Obviously, some some of the decision making and you know game management stuff wasn't great in that game, and you know they didn't do a great job with adjustments. They didn't come ready to play. But I, I think Chris Holtman's one of the you know top fifteen coaches or so in the sport. I think he. You know, they run great stuff on offense. They adjust to their personnel. I think that's something that's so critical in this day and age, right? Like you think about, it, you know, every year now your roster's flipping. Every Everyone's dealing with it. You know, they lose a kid unexpectedly this year in Dwayne Washington. And they've been able to change how they play to fit their personnel. Obviously, year one, it was all about, you know, Bates Diop and, you know, to transition now this this past year, much more guard oriented team with, with Liddell than you know, pounding teams down low. I mean, like they've, they've adapted every year to, to fit who they are. And to me, that's the most important skill in a college basketball coach right now. So I'm a big Holtman believer. You know, they haven't had that, you know, true breakthrough year to, to reach back to the you know, top five teams that they've had at one point at Ohio State. And I think he can get there. I'm not sure this is the team to do it, but if he recruits at a, he recruits a, a strong clip. I'll say they might have the deepest roster in college basketball this year. It, it, not certainly not the best, but like, like their their thirteenth man is better than most teams, almost anyone's thirteenth man. I'll, I'll say that. 
Yeah, and I'm glad you know you're on the Holtman defending train because me and Connor are resident Chris Holtman defenders, and we do take some some heat for it uh, because obviously it's not the best time. You know, th- this loss is going to follow them pretty much like it followed Tony Bennett through you you know throughout the entire season of when they won the championship. He got rid of that obviously much quicker than we assume Ohio State will. But um, you know, you mentioned it earlier. You know, you have Ohio State with the loss of Dwayne Washington kind of becoming going from the premier tier one in college basketball to tier two who do you have on that tier one um, I know obviously Gonzaga is going to be fantastic again this year uh, wh- where do you see kind of the top five maybe top seven teams in college basketball yeah I mean I think to, to me it's you know Gonzaga's number one again uh, obviously adding Chet Holmgren to to what they bring back will be awesome um, and then Texas number two with the talent they brought in it with Chris Beard I mean they're recruiting better than anyone in college basketball right now. Kansas with Remy Martin at point guard and what they bring back with Oceag Baji and Christian Brown, David McCormick, UCLA at four uh, in my rankings, I think will be you know much improved defensively with Miles Johnson and uh, Peyton Watson coming in to complement the returning core. And then Michigan at five, uh, then Kentucky at six, Purdue at seven, who I like. Obviously, some weird things to work out with Edie and Williams playing not together, but you know contributing together. Uh, and then I think Baylor, the defending champs at eight, Villanova at nine, and, uh, and Houston at 10 are my top 10, rounds at the top 10. So I think probably the top eight to top nine would be the true championship tier. And then Houston kind of begins the, the, the second tier of contenders, Houston, Duke, Oregon, North Carolina, Ohio State, Arkansas, Illinois, teams like that. that I think, you know, their, their ceiling is they can be a one or a two seed, but their floor is a little bit, a little bit lower. That's a team that I was going to ask you about. Um, so you went to Northwestern, so I know you know a ton about Illinois basketball. Um, when the season ended and it looked like there was just this mass exodus from Illinois, like Kofi was, Kofi said he was leaving. So we thought Kofi was gone. Dasumu was gone. Um, a lot of people assumed Frazier would be gone. Um, it was just like, why is everybody leaving Illinois after such a good year? But now Kofi's back. Trent Frazier is back for his eighth or ninth year in Illinois. Um, Curbelo is really good. I love Andre Curbelo. Um, do you think that Illinois could potentially sneak up and be like top two or three in the Big Ten again? Yeah, I think they could. I mean, Coburn, for all his flaws, and, and there are many, you know, doesn't have great hands, doesn't make free throws, isn't super you know, mobile, doesn't do a great job in ball screens defensively. He's still a top three player in the sport. I mean, he is dominant. Uh, to have that as your centerpiece is pretty darn good. Curbelo averaged, I think, 14, 8, and 4 in the three games that uh, he played without Io last year and was really, really good for them down the stretch. I think he has star potential. Uh, and then all the you know really high-level role players, Frazier, Grandison, Demonte Williams, Alfonso Plummer coming in from Utah who can really shoot it. Omar Payne will be a steady backup big. Coleman Hawkins, the sophomore uh, forward they have, they love that kid. You know He is so smart and uh, can play can play multiple positions. Like they, they have a very good roster. I still think Brad Underwood's a great coach. You know, I think he did an unbelievable job all the way back to Stephen of Austin. I've always been a believer you know, it took some time, but, you know, I think, I think they're going to be in a really good place. Honestly, one of the only reasons I'll keep them more in the 15 to 18 tier instead of up to, you know, 10 to 13 nationally in the preseason is, you know, losing the three guys who lost on staff, Chin Coleman, Orlando Antigua, and Steven Gentry, you know, Coleman and Antigua get a lot of the attention because of what they did recruiting wise. And those will, you know, reverberate for multiple years, I think. But, you know, Gentry was so huge to what they did operationally, tech, Tactically, um, you know, he he helped completely transform what they do both on offense and on defense from what Underwood played stylistically at Stephen F. Austin, which was so turnover dependent and, you know, they gambled a ton to 
you know, a much more modern system predicated on, you know, what, what they had done at Gonzaga and Gentry heads back to Spokane to be an assistant there. I'm curious to see what this team looks like stylistically. And that's why I'm a little bit, you know, on a hedge my bet a little bit, but talent wise, really good shape. And I think Underwood's a, a tremendous coach who's shown his willingness to adapt. Yeah. They were a really fun team to watch last year, even though they had a few guys that kind of bugged me and got on my nerves, but they were really fun to watch. Um, they're a team that is still mostly made up of guys that were recruited by that, that staff there I mentioned plumbers, a transfer, um, a lot of teams are going to be made up with four or five transfers this year, kind of like Ohio State. Um, do you see in the coming years, could some teams bank on transfers as much as they do on recruiting? Could you have years where a team maybe only pulls in one recruit for a class because they know we're just going to yank in two transfers anyway? Or abandon recruiting and just pulling a bunch of transfers in one cycle? Yeah, I mean, I think we're already there. Um We've seen, obviously, you hear about like a muscle man at Arkansas or like Richie Riley, the mid-major muscle man at uh, South Alabama. But like, I think I think you're already seeing teams be really judicious about offering high school kids scholarships because, you know, look, there's just not a ton of value for a lot of programs in being high school heavy. If you're going to have to develop the kids, if they don't play early, they're going to transfer. If they play a lot early, they're going to be you know, blow up and be NBA draft picks and they're going to leave after two years. You just don't get an opportunity to really work with them. And I think that tr- taking transfers where you, know, you can get an experienced guys, it's not the solution for everyone. Every coach is going to have a different philosophy, but I think, you know, certainly everyone's trying to find the right balance. And I think a lot of teams are going very transfer heavy. And I think one of the things that's become interesting for me to track is it used to be, you know, when you went on to get a transfer and Ohio state really did this, right? Like Ohio state knew they needed a scorer. So they went and got Cedric Russell. They knew they needed a, a point guard because they lost CJ Walker. So they went and got Jamari Wheeler. They wanted some front court depth. They grabbed Joey Brunk. That's how it used to be. Everyone recruited transfers based on need. It was like, okay, it's April. We have a spot. We need to go fill the point guard. We need a big right now. Teams are just recruiting transfers based on like best talent available. They're going to get six, seven, eight transfers on their roster. TCU has nine transfers on its roster right now for next year. Like they're going to be guys who transferred in who aren't going to play. Now, how's that going to work? It's different than a recruit where if they don't play, they transfer. Because if you transfer once, I'm going to sit out. Like there's going to be some interesting chemistry stuff that comes with this you know, down the line. But I think it's already you know significantly impacting high school recruiting decisions because guys do not want to be tied down to spots with kids where you know, they're not going to contribute right away or they're going to contribute right away and then bounce. Is that how it's going to work with a second transfer potentially? Because I know you get the one year, but you said TCU's got a, a, basically a full roster transfer. So if two of those guys don't play, if they want to transfer again, does that mean they will have to sit a year to play? Yes, that, that's that's correct. As of now, um, they can go through the waiver process, which we already know how uh, inconsistent that will be. Uh, so I'm looking forward to dealing with that. Um, we also have the, uh, the grad transfer option. It's a lot of miscommunication about whether the grad transfer option still exists. Uh, but essentially, the way I've been explained, way it's been explained to me is that if you've graduated and you file paperwork that shows that like you're changing your academic program or something, or you couldn't get into grad school or any number of reasons why you couldn't go to grad school at your old spot, you can be eligible immediately, even if you've transferred once already. And we've seen that a bunch already. So. Really, you get one transfer and then a second if you can graduate early or graduate in four years because you register for some reason like an injury. So that's where we're at right now. Will it change? Probably because it's it, we're, we're not in a beacon of consistency here. It's the NCAA. Yeah, and you know another hot-button topic is conference realignment. Obviously, Texas and Oklahoma have really, um, I guess you'd say, got the ball rolling on that one. Obviously, people have been looking at it from more of a college football standpoint because it's Texas and because it's Oklahoma and because it's the SEC. 
but it's going to affect college basketball. Um, you know, we're going to fast forward about three or four years. Is 2025, is the Big 12 still a conference to you? And that's a great question. I think, you know, if you, you look, I mean, the reason why Bob Bullsby uh, wrote the letter to ESPN as cease and desist, because the American was trying to poach the Big 12 schools. People are like, why don't the Big 12 poach the American schools? Well, the reason why is if, you know, the Big 12, the ESPN doesn't really want the Big 12 to exist right now because if the Big 12 exists, then Texas and Oklahoma are tied down until 2025. If it blows up, then, you know, it works in ESPN's favor and the SEC contract can begin earlier. So my expectation would be eventually the Big 12 blows up because it's great to say all eight schools that are remaining are in lockstep and they're going to fight together and yada, yada, yada. But they're all working on their own to find uh, find themselves a new home. So as soon as one finds a home, then everyone else is going to scatter, uh, and that is going to be, you know, that 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 is going to be significant. So you know, look, it's it's going to have some trickle down impacts on college basketball. Uh, a lot of these decisions we made without college basketball in mind, because it's all about TV revenue and TV inventory. I know. Baylor's athletic director, Mac Rhodes, uh, testified before like a Texas Senate committee today and said like they're not likely to be able to build a new basketball arena because they're going to lose so much money by not being at the same conference as Texas and Oklahoma. So, you know, I think we're going to start to see these downwind impacts on college basketball programs because the resources will no longer be quite what they were if you're not tied to the Big 12 football money. So. Are they going to join with the AAC? Are they going to find homes? Kansas going to go to the Pac-12, which I know people have discussed, the Big Ten even. like There's lots of trickles, trickle down to come. And I quite honestly don't know what all of it will be other than that most of it will be decided without really caring about college basketball, but it will have very significant impacts on college hoops. So that's what they're talking about with ESPN, you're saying, is, which I didn't fully understand until now. It's basically ESPN was being the devil on the shoulder of other conferences. Like, yes, go pick apart the Big 12 like buzzards, Correct. get rid of them. So we can start getting the SEC money from Texas. Correct. And Oklahoma. It, once, once the Big Twelve, if the Big Twelve exists, then Texas and Oklahoma are tied down by the Big Twelve. If the Big Twelve doesn't exist, they aren't. So uh, the 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 idea would be if the AAC, which is an ESPN property, they own the media rights. If the AAC could say, "Hey, Big Twelve, join us, and we'll get you a nice media package from ESPN," uh, then everyone's happy because they get paid, and uh, you know, the, then the SEC schools can go get. Big, big paid from uh, Texas and Oklahoma joining. So yeah, it's it's all very complex. But the uh, the the biggest uh, person against that would be Bob Bowlesby, the commissioner of the Big Twelve, because then he would uh, not have a job. So uh, it's it's again, it lots of lots of messes like that to be worked through in the next days, weeks, months, years. But uh, definitely heading towards change. This will not be the last movement that we see. Yeah, it sounds like Bob Bowlesby might want to update his resume and maybe even see if ESPN's hiring. Um, <laughs> well, I know I'm smarter than I was 25 minutes ago, Kevin. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk to us. I know you're a busy man. And obviously, if you're interested, we would love to have you back on once the season actually gets going to talk some more college hoops. Yeah, man. It was it was great to be on and uh, always happy to happy to hop on and talk about the uh, sport. So uh, thanks for having me, guys, and uh, looking forward to the next time. Yeah, for sure. And uh, just you know, before you go, you're a busy man. Where can we find your work? Where can we find you on social media? Yes. Uh, all my written work now at uh, SI.com. Really excited about the team we have for college basketball and college sports as a whole. Like, if you care about realignment, like Ross Dellinger and Pat Forty have done an unbelievable job. Definitely encourage you to check them out. Uh, but all my written work at SI, my podcast, CBB Central Podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to pods. It's great. It's a lot of fun. And uh, my Twitter handle at CBB underscore central. I spend far too much time on there. So uh, please follow. So I uh, feel validated. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for coming on again. 
uh, we look forward to reading all the great stuff that you start pumping out with SI this season. Have a good one, man. Thanks, guys. Okay, huge thanks to Kevin for joining us today. Uh, he knows pretty much more than anyone else about college hoops, so we definitely wanted to get him on and talk to him a little bit about Ohio State and, and you know their season coming up. Um, if you're finding us on the website, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast and music. Uh, Langer and Holy Land is rolling out a few new podcasts this year, and we'll be posting new episodes five days a week at least. So make sure you keep your eye on that. Uh, we personally will be releasing a new episode once every two weeks until we get closer to the season. And then once we get close to the season, this will be a weekly podcast. We promise to have some great guests. Uh, so far, we've had Joey Lane, Ohio State legend, and SI's Kevin Sweeney on just two episodes. So uh, the guests are only going to get bigger. The podcast will only get bigger. Uh, thank you if you are starting with us kind of on this beginning journey. And um, you can find me at Justin underscore Golba if you like to yell at me for anything. And you can send me hate mail at Lamons underscore Connor, it's L-E-M-O-N-S underscore Connor, C-O-N-N-O-R. Um, follow the website, obviously, at LandGrant33. Um, if you'd like to, to read us on the web, it's LandGrantHolyLand.com. Um, that is, uh, that's all we've got today. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, we will catch up with you all in two weeks. And as always, go Bucks.